Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be joined by the wonderful Kiersey Clemens to talk all about her latest film, Susie Searches. And I've heard you say that one of the things that you really related to in this character is how she's someone that just has so much life that she wants to share with other people and so much joy within herself. And, and when we meet her in the film, she's just in a space where other people aren't reciprocating and, and giving her that opportunity. Um, but I thought it was such a beautiful sentiment and approach to the character. And so I wanted to ask about your experience of kind of reading through the scripts and really finding those aspects of joy and life and and how you wanted to incorporate that into your portrayal of this character Mm. yeah there were certain uh she doesn't there were certain parts of the script that I held on to to make sure we it, it we were being it allowed us to see Susie versus the way because of the tone of the movie, I didn't want it to come across necessarily creepy. Um, Cause you want people to love Susie, not be turned off by her. And as the movie goes on, hopefully you would understand her more. Maybe if you're even disagreeing with what, you know, she's doing. Um, and so like the part Mary says, why are you smiling? And Susie is like, I don't know. It's my natural expression. Um, I wanted to hold on to that. I didn't want it to be that she's smiling all the time to cover something up. I wanted it to be that she's always having to put on a, put a smile on her face and she's trying to stay positive and she is kind of moving alone in this world. She only really has her mother who... She has, she's not able to fully communicate with her very much. And um, yeah, I I just held on to the parts of her that showed that she's empathetic and seeks out joy so much so <laughs> to the, so much so to the point that she starts to do things that a lot of us would um, disagree with. And I, I love what you were describing there about that idea of even even when, you know, her actions have kind of created this storm around her and she's pushed up against a wall that it's like she's still the same version of herself that we meet at the beginning. And so was it important to you that it was her actions that changed and her justification of her actions, but never her personality in terms of like putting up a veneer or a mask for anyone? Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I'd never. I didn't want her to necessarily change too much as a person uh which goes against anything any (laughs) actor storyteller would say (laughs) um I wanted it to be more so her response to the circumstances changing but she her circumstances don't change very often her life for the last however many years been the same days same schedule over and over and over again and uh she's used to routine and not much um settles her or shakes her because what is she going to be shaken by um and so I wanted her to still have that response when things are getting crazy because it still takes things have to really unravel before you watch her actually start to unravel she somehow manages to 
stay optimistic for a good amount of time. Um, and there's resolution all of the time for her. She can solve and fix anything, you know? And, um, but again, I didn't want that to be forced. I didn't want it to be a cover up of who she is. I didn't want it to be that she's this dark, scary, um, manipulative person who's putting the smile as a front or her kindness as a front. Uh, she's just very isolated and uh, disassociated and very, she's not involved in the world enough with other people to understand how to properly interact and uh, conform. Not that any of us should be conforming, but we do have to in society to a certain extent. <laughs> so that we don't do things like Susie. <laughs> Susie is someone who has such a, a love and passion for true crime. And, and we see how much of that stems from her relationship with her mother and the way that they used to read those stories together as kids. And and through the podcast that she records, um, I love that we get to see so many scenes of her recording it. And at the beginning, it's, you know, everything's great, everything's fine. And then again, it's that idea where like, as the tension is building around her, we get to see again, this presentation of her recording a lot of those scenes with, you know, a smile in her voice, but not necessarily on her face at, at that moment. Um, mm -hmm. And so how did you set about going into a lot of those scenes and finding the intimacy, finding what is her voice as a podcaster? Because there's even like a slightly higher pitch and tone to your voice in those scenes yeah. um, and even just the intimacy of the camera being so close to you for those moments yeah that was one of the more difficult things to do it kind of ties into what I was just saying because she's performing so she wants to sound cheery and entice people to to listen to the podcast and if they are listening but she and this is when this is when my job starts to get hard <laughs> starts to get a bit more complicated is I didn't want it to be that she's dead in the eyes because she's not feeling anything because then that makes the rest of the film a different film now we're seeing a different story a different person but we wanted to feel more so again that she keeps this smile on her face and she's able to be optimistic even when she's having a really hard time because the, as much as the podcast makes her happy and feel fulfilled, no one's watching and no one's listening. Well, of course, no one's watching. It's a podcast, but <laughs> no one's listening. And she's, people who are listening are kind of making fun of her. Um, but she picks herself back up. She makes some flyers. Um, she posts them around the school. Again, it's always the picking herself back up. If you ever see her face fall flat, she immediately finds some type of some type of like resolution. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you picked up on that because that was there were days that I mean I would watch playback and be so nervous that I was making her out to be. Um, I don't want to use, you know, certain words, but 
a sociopath. You know, I didn't want it. We weren't telling that story. Um, but also everyone's allowed to take away from the movie whatever you whatever you assume that Susie is is up to you. Go for it. And th- this next question steps into spoilers, but like obviously it's it's an early spoiler in the film and, and happens fairly early on that we learn that she was the one behind the kidnapping herself. And I, I love the the point that you were bringing up there about some of the choices that you made and how depending on how you played something could have made it a very different film once we have that reveal in, in the first act. Um, and so were there any complicated elements in terms of really figuring out the tone or delivery of certain aspects of her as a character or certain scenes and really knowing that you don't want to show your hand and you don't want to give the audience that straight out of the gate, but at the same time, you need to also think about how it's going to inform the latter part of the film. Yeah, I something that was really important was... Um, when I find Jesse, Alex, Wolf, um, that my reaction to his desperation of being found was genuine. And in that moment, you're not, she's not a great actor who's like, I'm Susie and, oh, I can't believe I found you. And this is so sad. She's not pretending. Um, Despite how she got there, she is empathetic towards him and what she's done and how he feels. And um, she was excited and she was relieved that she finally got to bring him out of the situation, even though she put him there. Um, She didn't want to hurt him. And I think that's a, I think we kind of start to realize how naive she is and disconnected she is that she doesn't realize how traumatizing that is for him and how coming out of it, um, he's not just going to go to therapy and get over it, but she's not able to really process that. Um, So when she finds him, her reaction to him and the hug and uh, saving him isn't, I didn't want it to be performative. Um, and hopefully everyone sees it that way. I don't know, maybe people will take it that she's just being a great, a great liar. <laughs> I think she's actually a terrible liar, but she's such a bad liar. But yeah. And there's such a tragedy to the fact that all she desperately wants is to have a connection with someone. And then as this friendship develops with, with Jesse played by Alex Wolf in the film, if it wasn't for the circumstances that she created, then maybe if they'd met into different circumstances, they could have had a real friendship and a real connectivity because he's actually very authentic and very open with her in a way that nobody else in her life has been. Um, yeah. And also yeah. we have to acknowledge that the only real relationship like companionship she has is with her mom who is sick and needs her so when you think about it her connecting with jesse when he needs somebody and is in an immense amount amount of pain she just goes into this mode of well i know how to connect with someone i know how to handle that i know how to take care of you 
you know, and it's a trauma bond, obviously, but that's what she falls into. She would be really great at, um, she should volunteer at like a senior living center or something like that. <laughs> she is great at She'd taking care of her. twist, she made her mom sick. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's the sequel follow-up film. Mm-hmm. I mean, was was there a duality in kind of playing a lot of those scenes? Because, you know, with what you were describing, there is like this genuine connection there between them. But also the closer she gets to him, the more she has to kind of be very careful and very guarded about what she says to make sure that she's not going to give herself away and he's not going to find out. And so in essence, there's, you know, everything that you described at the beginning of like the very genuine side, but she is having to kind of play her hand a little bit at times. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, she has to tiptoe around also not being caught. It's it's not just about, like, I don't want people to know my secret and I don't want to get in trouble. She really starts to appreciate her friendship with Jesse, which you touched on. And so I think we do start to feel at a certain point that you can feel not just her guilt because he shares the pain that he went through and she starts to reckon you watch her finally and un- you watch this person understand how they hurt someone in such a deep way and I think that's integral to the story in loving Susie is that we have to see that she doesn't really get it and we're watching her her understand you know versus just watching someone do this bad thing and try to keep a secret and they're lying to their new friend like you're watching her as she understands Jesse understand what she did and then it turns into not just I have a crush on this person but now I love this person as my friend and I hurt them um and I think there is a desperation for her to get it off her chest I think at a certain point she does just want to admit what she's done um but again she's not afraid of if it sends her to prison she's afraid of losing her friend (laughs) like it it's odd how everything for her comes from a place of um what would it be where does it come from comes from a place of desire for love and appreciation and to be seen again we can't do things like that but <laughs> I, I can make sense of her and you were mentioning earlier you know some of the intricacies in terms of the tone of the film as well and it feels very specific in terms of the tone and the voice that it has um and so how did you kind of work with Sophie Cogman who's the the writer and director of the film to really figure that out and then how that was going to inform your portrayal of this character and and the way to approach it hmm. I mean we went back and forth for years we met in 2020 virtually and then we filmed in 2021 I think the end of 2021 and I we we we've talked about this movie we talked about Susie so much I we just never really 
stopped. We were letting things flow and we were trying. We had looked at every scene and every action of Susie from every perspective, um, hoping that in the end, by in the end, I mean in the edit, that she was able to put it all together in a way that told the story that we wanted to tell. So sometimes we were playing, um, not play, sometimes I would do one take where I was performing my empathy or I was being manipulative or I was coming across creepy. Um, just so that when Sophie's going through the film, like, so she has the option to switch it up if she wants, which um, is obviously scary for me. But I always knew the movie that we were going to make tonally. So I trusted what was happening. And I think also for me, it allowed me to know which direction to go into and which direction to not go. You know, because if I do a take where I'm making a choice that makes her come across as being threatening and scary, I then know, okay, I'm not going to do that. If I smile in the scene, that is going to come across threatening and scary. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think that was also Sophie's, I think she did that on purpose. She's very smart like that. It's also such a huge gift, you know, especially on an indie film to have that much time to have that level of in-depth conversation with your director and and you were also involved as an executive producer and so did that change the dynamic when it came to filming days because you and Sophie had spent all of that time and, and so much time going back and forth and really getting into the granular essence of every scene that you can kind of like go to set and just like have this innate sense of how to go into certain moments differently oh yeah we were able to just communicate like that um and just cut through all the bullshit of tiptoeing or trying to find the different ways to say, I think that you're wrong. Um, me and Sophie really built a, a work relationship, but also a friendship that allowed us to also support the other person when they're putting their foot down and trusting that they know what, is best um I really only for the most part I was just there to have Sophie's back there were a few times <clears throat> obviously that we would we would try something she wanted and something I wanted but the only thing that I was like we must fix this now and it's my way or the highway was Ken Marino's ponytail <laughs> I knew exactly what I wanted it to look like and when we were in the hair trailer I texted Sophie and I was like look I just sent someone to go get hair for the ponytail because it's not turning out the way that I wanted um and she was like okay gotcha and then I got to set and I was like no close-ups of the ponytail <laughs> like it was so important to me. And so I've been, I mean, I've been talking about the ponytail for the last, you know, four months. And so Sophie was like, look, this is important to her. She has rarely thrown a fit. 
Well, I never throw a fit. I throw a fit. I mean, like, put my foot down and be like, we're not doing a close-up of the ponytail or we got to wait for the other extensions because this is crazy. Like, to the point that I got very, like, emotionally upset. I nearly cried over the fucking ponytail. And I was like, I got to go outside and take a breather because, and when I come back in, this ponytail better be right. Um, We sorted it out, though. He's a very creepy ponytail and it's perfect. I, I I love that so much. And 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 separately, you know, going back to something that you were saying earlier about that idea of we get to watch Susie in real time kind of really d- discover for herself the emotional trauma that she has created in Jesse and, and the impact of her actions. And at the same time, she has a very intellectual understanding of a lot of the logistical steps of what she has to do and how she needs to kind of clear evidence in certain ways because she's had this lifelong obsession with true crime and she's always kind of seen five steps ahead of every story that she's dived into. And so what was kind of like the opposing force of she's emotionally learning what she's done to someone, but logistically she's very astute and very smart mm-hmm. about it all. Oh yeah. Um, and I want to be clear as well. She didn't, she didn't learn all of this so that she could get away yeah. with something. Um, she just utilized her skills and her interests Um and I think as well, I've, I had always been, I know that I'm supposed to have the answer to this, but it's such a question for me of when did she decide? Because this is one of the things that we don't see is when did she decide to do this? We never have that moment. That's like the biggest mystery of all for me. Maybe it's just for me as the actor. of I never found a place of understanding the day and the moment that she decided I'm going to do this. And I always wondered, did a light bulb go off? Had she been planning in her mind for a little bit? Had she Was this a plan over months? Was it weeks? Was it years? You know? Um, yeah. You also mentioned something about the the empathy of her as as a kidnapper earlier. And so I also wanted to ask about filming some of the scenes that we see as little flashback moments of, mm-hmm. you know, who is she as a kidnapper and seeing, you know, she's there with the voice changer, but she still genuinely cares if he's okay and kind of like mm-hmm. wants him to feel calm and, and totally relaxed about the situation at hand. Oh, yeah. And again, that's just her disconnect. She just... <laughs> I don't think she's also ever been in, um, actually that's not true. I think she, in her mind, believes that she could survive a situation like that, no problem, because her mind is always going, so she doesn't understand the stakes. Um, I think that in her mind, she probably feels as if she's trapped with a blindfold on and being isolated from the rest of the world. So again, she doesn't understand um, the trauma around that for someone else. I don't think she even recognizes her own trauma. Um, yeah. And and this is going into kind of like much bigger spoilers towards the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a moment where 
she's accidentally responsible for someone else getting hurt. And mm-hmm. that feels like a very different type of, of kind of like panic and tension around her because it's also mm-hmm. so very immediate. She doesn't have time to plan how she responds. And so for you, what was the difference that you wanted to see in Susie and responding to a moment like that versus everything earlier in the film where she's had the chance to kind of meticulously plan it out and think about it? Oh, well, the second time around... <laughs> I mean, we're dealing with an entirely different scenario. Um, And I think she just went into survival mode. That's when you do start to see her unravel. And um, it's the first time we kind of see her like shaken up. Um, But yeah, I don't, she's in survival mode. She doesn't even think about it. I think she's also now in a situation that she knows how to handle logically because and you hear her walk herself through it. She knows how to get through it. She knows how to get away with a crime. Um, But this time she doesn't want to. This isn't something that she wanted to do and she would never. I think that's also something we wanted to clarify in that, which is this is not that's not something that she would ever want to do or do intentionally. Um, you know, this isn't like a story of someone who's going to go on to be a serial killer. <laughs> you know, this isn't a big, scary movie. Um, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so entirely different from what was going on with Jesse. Well, I really, really loved your performance in the film and thank you so much for for talking all about it. I really appreciate it, Kissy. Thank you.